Well, good morning and welcome once again to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. It's so good to have you here this morning and let there be light. Um, as we continue with our series on hope, as you know by now, we are in week three of a four-week series where we are just talking about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ and what that kind of looks like in our daily lives. So we've been unpacking some different things today, and today is going to be a little bit different as well as we look at the hope that we have for the underdog. Now, some of you who are my age and above uh, might remember an old cartoon by the name of Underdog. And uh, those of you who are under my age are looking at me like I have three heads. Uh, but we're not talking about the cartoon Underdog today, but we are going to be talking about how we, as underdogs in the world, have hope through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. So the big idea for today is simply that God is more powerful than any grace in the universe. With him, we can do amazing things. There we go. Now we seem to be working. All right. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. And we're going to be looking at an underdog story. And it's not going to be one of these underdog stories. But I don't know about you guys. When I think of underdog stories, we all kind of love a good underdog story. Right? We always love when, the, when the, the guy that's not supposed to win or the girl that's not supposed to win somehow miraculously comes through with a victory. Now, these were three of the movies that kind of came to my mind when I think of underdog stories. We've got uh, Rocky, of course. I think most of you are familiar with that. The one in the middle is, is Cool Runnings about the Jamaican bobsled team and how they went on to compete in the Olympics when no one thought that they possibly could. And the last one is probably one of my favorite sports movies, and that is Rudy. And I think most of you are familiar with that. Rudy was uh, undersized, and they said there's no way he could play at Notre Dame, but he had this, this drive and this desire and this passion that he was going to play Notre Dame football despite the odds. Now, not to give a spoiler alert, but he does at the end of the movie. It's a great movie. But my point is we love the underdog story. My, my grandmother uh, used, to, used to passively watch sports, I would say. She didn't necessarily have uh, favorite sports teams. But what she would do is she would root for whichever team was losing. And I always thought, well, that's a little bit weird because, you know, in this day and age, everybody is a bandwagon fan, right? We want to be a fan of the best team. We want to be a fan of the winning team. And whatever team wins the Super Bowl or the World Series, all of a sudden, everybody's a fan of that team. But my grandmother always did just the opposite. And I always said, Grandma... Why do you want to root for the losing team? And she'd always say, because I just feel sorry for them. I just want them to win. So, so she always rooted for the underdog. And that's what we're going to look at today. Because at the end of the day, you and I are underdogs in this world. We, we have a lot of cards stacked against us. We have a lot of things going against us. We have a lot of obstacles on our path. But we also have Jesus Christ. And that's what makes the difference. And that's exactly what we're going to look at today. So we are going to unpack a familiar story for most of you, and that is the story of David and Goliath. But what we're going to look at are what are some things that we can extract from this story. See, there's this thing called Children's Bible Story Syndrome, or CBSS, that some of you may have heard of. And that is that we grew up with these stories 
And we think we know them, but we know the stories, but we don't necessarily know the meaning behind them or the importance behind them. Or what are the things that even us as adults can pull from these children's stories and apply to our lives? And those are some of the things that we're going to look at as we unpack this story about David and Goliath. So, most of you know this, but if you want to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17... We are going to jump into this story. Now, as most of you know, this story is extremely long. It's 50-something verses, so we are not going to go through all of those this morning because I'd like to not put you to sleep on this beautiful Sunday morning. But we're going to hit some of these key verses and take a look at some things that we can learn, and I'll try and fill in some pieces of this story as we go. So we're going to pick up in verse 20. It says, Early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up, and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp at the army, was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. So just a, a brief backstory. We see David is actually going to take some food and to visit his brothers who are fighting in this war between the people of Israel and the Philistines. Now, just to give you a little bit of context, this, this fighting, this war had kind of come to a halt. It had kind of come to a standstill because what you had is you had the, the Israelites on one side, right? And they're, they're coming kind of down the mountain because the cities that they were protecting were in the mountains. And then you had the Philistines who were on the other side, and then you had a valley in between. So if you think about it, you've got one army here and one army here, and you've got a valley in the middle. Now, if you know anything about military strategy, you are not in a big hurry to march down your mountain and right into the valley and then right up the other side to the opposing army. Because you are going to put yourself in a position where you're going to be vulnerable to attack. So, so this, this battle, if you want to call it that, had kind of come to a screeching halt. Because you've got the two sides in there, and they're each on, on a hillside or a mountainside with a valley in the middle. So David is on his way to visit his brothers, kind of on the front lines, see how they're doing, take them some food, and kind of see what's going on. Verse 21 says, Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines and facing each other. So again, this was kind of a daily thing where, where they would kind of, kind of face off in this valley with neither side really wanting to come down into this valley or really wanting to advance to the other side. Now, the first point I want to look at is we are rarely prepared to fight the battles that come at us. Now, that's kind of, a, kind of an interesting statement because we're going to look at how that is true and that also isn't true. But sometimes things come at us that we were not expecting. And sometimes we can be very unprepared or feel very unprepared when that happens. Now, as we all know, and I'm not going to go into details, of course, but we're, we're, depending on who you talk to, we're either on the downside or almost coming out of a global pandemic. And when that pandemic hit, the church was left scrambling. What do we do? What's best for our members? How do we continue to reach people for Jesus Christ, despite the fact that it was challenging for us to actually gather together? Now, we were very fortunate in this church that we already had a fantastic live stream service that we were able to fall back on. But I talked to many of my cohorts in mission work and in church work, and they were scrambling. Because, see, they weren't prepared to go 100% online services. 
This was new territory for the church. This was not something that they knew what to do with. They were having to buy cameras and microphones and lights and try to figure out how do we put together a church service with nobody in the building. We didn't have to worry about that. See, God had been preparing this church for quite some time to be ready when the pandemic hit. Because yes, there were some things that we had to figure out, but we already had all of the key pieces in place. We had the cameras, and we had the lights, and we had the microphones, and we had the technology to continue doing the work of the kingdom despite the pandemic. But, but think about those things that come at you in life. Think about when a family member has a, has a, has a disease. Think about when something happens with your job. Sometimes we can feel very unprepared for that. We say things like, wow, that hit us out of the blue. I just wasn't ready for that. And that's what I want you to think about as we look at the story of David, who as he went into this battle, this very familiar story, he probably felt exactly like many of these churches did when the pandemic hit. I'm not prepared for this, or what do I do? Let's go ahead and pick up in verse 23. It says, as he was talking with them, Goliath the Philistine, champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted the verbal defiance, and David heard it. It says, whenever the Israelites saw this man, they all fled from him in great fear. It says, now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give a great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from the taxes in Israel. So this gives you a little background of how important this figure was, right? You've got this, this man who's considered a giant, right? So he was way bigger than me. And he would come down each day and say, hey, where are you guys at? Come on, step forward, be the next one. And he would call them out every day. Now, this is key. It says that when the Israelites heard this, they ran. That's going to be important later on in our story. When they heard this, they ran because they were afraid of this giant. They were afraid to go after him. They were afraid to engage in hand-to-hand -hand combat with this giant because they didn't feel like they could win. It says, David asked the man standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is the uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? So David now says, wait a minute. And he, he kind of mocks him. He says, wait a minute. Who does this guy think he is? Who does this guy think he is that he can defy the one true and living God? So see, all of these people, for who knows how long, had been fearing this giant and saying, there's just no way we can go after him. And David says, who's this guy think he is? He doesn't see it the same as the rest did. See, David got it. David knew that if God was for us, then who could be against us? See, David didn't look at it as, I'm afraid 
to go after this man. He looked at it with, and said, hey, if God's got my back, I don't care who this guy is. I don't care how big he is. I can handle him. And see, that is the difference of vision that David had than the rest of the Israelites. See, David wasn't afraid. He said, no, 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 I'm going to choose faith over fear, and I'm going to go after this guy. Romans chapter 8, verse 31 says, if God is for us, then who can be against us? And that's exactly what David just said. Who is this guy? That defies God. And see, that's how we have to have that same vision. We have to have that same mentality that, look, if God is with us, then who can be against us? See, if God is with us, if we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid anymore. And see, that's where our hope comes from. See, sometimes we just have to take the leap. Now, I chose this picture when I thought about taking the leap because my son Lucas, who's four now, anytime we go to the pool, this is what we do for hours and hours and hours. He jumps into the pool. I catch him, take him back to the side. He climbs out and he jumps in again and again and again. Now, he's four why is he willing to jump into the deep end of the pool where his mom or dad is feverishly trying to tread water to catch this 60-pound child who's jumping on top of us? Because Lucas knows that his mom and I love him and we're never going to let anything bad happen to him. We are not going to let him drown in that pool. And see, he has confidence in that and he has faith in that. And he's willing to take the leap. He knows dad's going to catch him. See, David was willing to take the leap because he knew God had him. He knew that God was going to catch him. He knew that God was not going to let him drown. So David was willing to jump off into the deep end of the pool. Let's pick up in verse 40. It says, Then he took his staff in his hand. He chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in a pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. It says, Meanwhile, me, <laughs> meanwhile the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. So see, here our story or our movie is kind of coming to a climax, Right? Here we see David is getting his things ready, and Goliath is getting his things ready, and they're going to come together. Now, it's interesting to note that David was a shepherd. And most of you are saying, well, duh, we already knew that. But see, David was a shepherd. And sometimes when we think of shepherds, especially around Christmas time, right? We think of shepherds and we think of these, these older men with the long flowing beard and the shepherd's crook and... And we don't really think a lot of it. Shepherds had a very tough job. And that was to protect the flock. Now, keep in mind, they protected the flock from lions and tigers and bears, oh my, right? They protected the flock from all of these wild animals. 
They didn't have guns. They didn't have the things that we might use today to protect ourselves or to protect protect our livestock. They weren't in a pen, an enclosed pen, where an animal could not get to them. And keep in mind, sheep in this day and this age were very, very valuable. So the shepherd would do whatever it took to protect the flock. So what did David do? David grabs some stones. Because see, a shepherd, or as they called him back then, a slinger, would have been able to use a rock or a stone from a distance of about 200 yards and be deadly accurate. Now, when you think of 200 yards, that's two professional football field lengths. 200 yards away, they could pick up these these rocks, they could spin them around, and they could sling them at a target. So David had been doing this for, for who knows how long. With the lions and the tigers and the bears, oh my, right? But the really interesting thing is, they could do that with more velocity than a professional baseball pitcher can throw a fastball. So David grabs these stones and he grabs his sling. And Goliath is getting his shield ready. And he's getting ready to fight. Now, here's something interesting. And if you think about this, there were, there were three kinds of soldiers in this day and age. There were the ones on the chariots. There were the heavy armored soldiers, which would have been what Goliath was. So he would have had some form of a helmet and a breastplate. And he would have had, you know, knee and shin protectors. And he would have had a shield and a sword. And then there were the slingers. So I find it interesting that as David goes out to confront Goliath, he takes the things that he's most comfortable with. He takes the slings and the stones. Now, if you read the the entire story, you know that at one point, the the leader comes to David and says, hey, we got to get you a sword. We got to get you a shield. We got to get you a breastplate. We got to get you some some shin guards. And David says, no, 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 no. That's that's not how we're going to do this. Because see, the Israelites thought that they had to meet Goliath on his terms. See, they, they thought they had to meet this giant on Goliath's terms. They had to grab a sword and a shield and go to hand-to-hand combat with this giant. But see, that's the difference. David met Goliath on God's terms because he knew exactly what he needed to do. It says, he looked David over and he saw that he, was, that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Now I'm assuming by sticks he meant, you know, David probably still had his, his shepherd's staff in one hand and the, and the sling in the other, because that's what he would have done. That's what he would have had with him. So Goliath is kind of taunting him. What, do you think I'm just a dog that you can beat with a stick? It says, come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. So again, Goliath is saying, bring it on. Bring it on. I got this. 
says, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. See, David says, I don't care about your armor and I don't care about your sword and I don't care about your spear or any other manner of things that you're going to come to harm me with because I've got God. He had God on his side. And as we just talked about, if God is with us, then who could be against us? As we move on to verse 46, it says, This day the Lord will deliver you into his hands. And I'll strike you down and cut off your head this very day. I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. David is just telling it like it is. He's telling it like it is. He says, hey, you taunted me. Well, guess what? I've got God on my side. So you're actually the one who's going down, not me. Because again, David saw this from a whole different perspective. See, this giant wasn't too big to hit. He was too big to miss. See, we, we go to God and we say, God, I've got these big problems. We need to go to our problems and say, problems, I've got a big God. And he'll take care of it. And he'll help us with it, just like he helped David through our story. Verse 47 says, all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. We read throughout scripture that many of these characters that we have come to love and to look up to, see, they remembered to always give credit to God. Always give credit where credit is due. David didn't say, hey, I'm going to come out and do this all on my own because I'm this mighty warrior and I'm going to take you down. No, he said, I've got God and that's enough. See, this is how we fight our battles. We, we fight our battles by partnering with God. A couple weeks ago, we talked about this idea of being yoked right? Being yoked with God and partnering with him. And see, David got it. He said, I got I to do this with God. And see, sometimes I think in, in our society, especially today, we get wrapped up in this notion that I can do this because I have these gifts and I have these talents and I have these abilities and it's me and it's me and it's me and it's me. And we like to brag about the things that we do. We like to post all over social media about all these great things that we do. But at the end of the day, we do those things because of God. Because God gave you those talents, those gifts, and those abilities. Just like God gave the talents, gifts, and abilities to David to prepare him for this day. Let's go ahead and continue. We're going to pick up in verse, I'm going to read verse 51 and 52, actually, which is not on your screen. I apologize. But, but, but here's where we see Kind of this whole thing coming to a head, it says David ran and stood over him. Because see, we all know in the story, right? David has taken his sling and he slings the rock and he kills Goliath. See, the underdog slings the rock and kills the giant. And what happens next 
As David runs over, he stands over him. He takes hold of the Philistine's sword and he cuts Goliath's head off. See, we kind of leave that out when we're telling the children's version, right? Because that's kind of gory and it's kind of gruesome and we don't want to give our kids nightmares. But it's important because he did exactly what he said he was going to do. And he actually cuts off the head of Goliath. And when the Philistines saw that, they ran. When the Philistines saw that David had done exactly what he said he would do, they ran. So the ones that had kind of been the aggressors, the ones that had kind of been the taunters, the ones that said, hey, with Goliath, we can do anything, are now running for the hills, literally, because David this little boy just took down their best soldier and their best warrior. The men of Israel then surged forward, it says, as they pursued the Philistines back to Gath. See, David, when he took out Goliath, he created a sense of hope among God's people. He created a sense that we can do anything with God's people. To the point that they all join with David and start running after the army and chasing them back to where they came from. Because you see, hope is contagious. See, David's actions and David's faith allowed all of the people of Israel to finally get on board and say, we've been doing this wrong all along. See, we've got it wrong all along. And it took this young boy to come show us what faith is all about. See, it took this young boy to teach us what hope is all about. See, hope is contagious. Most of you know that our sister in Christ, Erica Sturgeon, here recently had a massive heart attack. And in the days that followed that heart attack, the doctors said, it's not good. And they gave her very little chance to make it. But guess what? Her family and her close friends said, no, 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 no. See, we serve this huge God that can still do miracles. And they started praying. And then the church started praying. And all of a sudden, the prognosis changed. And she went from, she has very little hope of any kind of a meaningful recovery to, you know what? She's going to make a full recovery. If that doesn't give us hope, then I don't know what does. And it's contagious. See, it started with just a few people saying, you know what, we're just going to pray for her and we're not going to give up. And see, then that, that spread to others who said, you know what, we're not going to give up on her. And then that ended up being the whole church saying, we're not going to give up on her. Imagine what our church can do if we truly understand the hope that we have in Jesus 
and it's contagious. And we're all on board, and we're all working towards the same goal. And we're just on fire and out there telling everybody we encounter about Jesus Christ. It's contagious. When you're excited, others are going to get excited. And that just spreads like wildfire. Until hopefully our whole church is on fire. And if, if, if after watching what happened with Erica and that family hasn't gotten you on fire for God, I don't know what will. Because it's an amazing story. Let's jump over to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. Maybe. Can you move that to Ephesians 6.12? I don't know what's going on with the clicker over here. But anyway, Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. See, our fight is not just against man. It's against something way deeper than that. And see, these days we don't, we don't like to talk about heaven and hell, and we don't like to talk about the devil, but guess what? We have to. Because the devil is still real. And he's still out there looking for people that he can convince that there is no God. People that he can convince through their doubt and through their troubles that there is no God in heaven that can save them. And he takes away your hope. And Paul reminds us of that. He reminds us that we can't give up. We can't let our guard down. Because we need Jesus. And we need the hope that comes only through Jesus Christ. Hope is contagious. So where do we go from there? What do we do with that? What do we do with this story of David? we got to remember that God, through your troubles and through your tribulations and through your heartaches, has been preparing you. He's been preparing you so that one day when that big problem comes, you're ready for it. You're ready for it. we got to remember the power of God. Because he can and will do amazing things. And we can't ever forget that. Because again, we want to tell God that we have these big problems. We've got to tell our problems. We've got a big God who's all-powerful. And he will help us. We've got to choose faith over fear. See, that's the one thing I love about David is he just saw things differently. He just saw things differently than the entire Israelite army. Goliath wasn't too big to hit. Goliath was too big to miss. And last but not least, we are unstoppable with God. We're unstoppable. See, David was an underdog. David should have never been able to take on this giant. David should have never been able to defeat this giant. David should have never been able to be the catalyst for the people of God to run the entire Philistine army out. But he did, and he did it with God. 
because we know that all things are possible with God. And that's what I want you to remember this morning. I want you to remember that when you're facing situations that are hard, when you're facing situations where you just get frustrated and you don't know where to turn, the answer is always God. Turn to God in prayer. Reach out to God. He wants to help you, but he also wants you to want his help. Reach out to God and remember that you've got a body of believers in this church that are there for you. All you got to do is ask. See, this is a family that loves each other. And when one of us is hurting, we're all hurting. And when one of us is celebrating, we're all celebrating. But we can't help you if we don't know that you need help. Now, in just a moment, Brandon is going to lead us in the song of invitation, and I'm going to ask our elders to come forward. And if we can help you in any way, if we can pray for you, if we can talk to you, if there's anything at all that we can do to assist you, we want to invite you to come forward. Or maybe you've never had that chance to have that everlasting hope that we find in Jesus Christ. You've never put him on in baptism for the remission of your sins. You have an opportunity to do that this morning as we stand together and as we sing. On me, I come with a broken heart. Bowing down before your holy throne, as I look.